What I love about the 11 who scattered on that night, we discover in 50 short days, the same group of guys who scattered away from Jesus would begin to stand for him. They would first stand in the streets of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Then they would be found in the temple courts proclaiming the name of Jesus from house to house, from city to city, from nation to nation. What made the change is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but also the empowering of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're going to look at this message, One Betrayed and One Denied Him, from John 18. We're going to see verses 1 through 11, One Betrayed Him. 10 through 14, one defended him, and 15 through 18, also picking up verses 25 through 27, one denied him. Father, I just pray that you'd open our hearts to receive from your word this morning those things which you know that we need to hear. Often, Lord Jesus, you would say to your church and to those who heard you speak publicly when you ministered upon this earth, let him who has an ear hear. And Father, I pray that it would be so with us. Let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, this church, this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We also find that one defended him. Verses 10 and 11, it tells us Peter and his misguided sword. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cut off his right ear. And then the servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put away your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? All the gospel writers tell us about uh, Peter's denial. Only John tells us that it was Peter who pulled the sword. I, I just think John had something in for Peter. He wrote about him a few times. Later on, when uh, Mary Magdalene came and said, the Lord is risen, his grave is empty, John says that he and Peter went out, and John would say, and I I ran faster than Peter. Uh, He would let us know that he got to the grave first. John is the one that lets us know that it was Peter who pulled the sword. I I get a kick out of this. I I don't think Peter was a soldier, but he carried a sword. It's about as good as a brick mason uh, trying to go to battle. Probably wouldn't be very successful if I went to battle with my skills as a brick mason. I might be able to cut you up with my trowel, but I'm not going to do a lot of damage. 
Peter didn't do a lot of damage. He had a bad aim. Took off someone's ear. Not good for Malchus. And again, John is the only one that tells us that it was Malchus, the servant of the high priest. It could be that the servant of the high priest, I mean, we think of servants and we could think of some lowly slave. It could mean that this was like the key servant of the high priest that everybody knew who this guy was. I was wondering today, did Malchus come to faith? He was touched by Jesus. Did he come to faith and did John record his name for us because the church knew him in a different way, more so than just the servant of the high priest, but as a, a brother of faith? I don't know. Again, we won't know these things until we get to heaven. But John gives us two names here. He tells us it was Peter who pulled the sword. And he tells us the name of the individual who was cut by Peter at that time. Jesus in Luke twenty-two fifty-one answered and said to Peter, permit even this. And he touched his ear and he healed him. Now, perhaps Peter's action was his way of defending his willingness to stand for Jesus. Remember, he's the one who said, in Mark 14, 29 through 31, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus said, surely I say to you this night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter spoke again and said, if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said, likewise, Peter was a leader among the 12. You can't deny that when you read the gospel. And I think Peter was wanting to lead. Come on, guys. I have the sword. <laughs> At one time, they uh, talked about with the disciples, we have two swords, and Jesus said, that's enough. He probably knew that they would really get in trouble if they had any more. They weren't even armed properly, and yet Peter went forth. Although Peter might have believed that he was stronger in faith than the other disciples, they all stumbled, but they did so in order that Christ could face the cross alone. John 16, 32, indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because my father is with me. It was necessary for the disciples to scatter from Jesus on that night and connected to Jesus's crucifixion was one who betrayed him, one who denied him, all who scattered from him. There were the rulers of the Jews and the Gentiles who condemned him. And yet we are all guilty. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, for Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. What I love about the 11 who scattered on that night, we discover in 50 short days, the same group of guys who scattered away from Jesus would begin to stand for him. They would first stand in the streets of Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost then they would be found in the temple courts proclaiming the name of Jesus from house to house, from city to city, from nation to nation. What made the change? Well, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. What made the change is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and the redeeming blood of Christ, but also the empowering of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Verses 12 through 14, we find this detachment of troops. Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. 
They led him away to Aeneas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. So before Jesus was hung on the cross, he would be questioned at six different trials. Three times we'll read about, not in John's gospel, but when you combine all the gospels, you read that he stood before three different trials with the religious rulers of Israel and three different trials with the Gentile rulers of Rome. He would be mocked. He would be beaten by the soldiers of the high priest of soldiers of Herod and of Pilate. A crown of thorns would be beaten upon his head. A cat of nine tails would be laid upon his back. Also, we have to remember he would be deprived of sleep, of water, and of food. Jesus had already been uh, with his disciples throughout the course of the day. He prayed through the night. He had so much to face. And combining all the stresses that came, well, it reminds us of the Gospels telling us that when he went to bear his cross, that wooden beam, that he was unable to do so. And a man named Simon actually carried the beam to the hill where he was crucified. Now, spiritually, there could be some things at play in this, in that uh, Simon, perhaps, I believe, came to faith as a result of bearing this cross for Jesus. But ultimately, I believe that Jesus bore a much greater weight than a wooden beam because upon him he bore the sins and the iniquities of us all. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now, Aeneas was the true high priest. If you know your Old Testament, you know that once a high priest was appointed, he was high priest for life, kind of like Supreme Court justices. I just threw that in there. You know what's going on over the last month. I saw a very liberal account of this conservative judge being appointed as uh, Supreme Court Justice here in the United States this past weekend. And so this liberal account just basically said, if we would have done our job and won the office of president in 2000 and 2014, right now we would have seven liberal judges on the Supreme Court. I think that's the number that they put forth. And I think, thank God that you guys didn't do your job back then because we would be in a mess right now. Anyways, get back to God's word here. Aeneas was the true high priest. They were appointed for life, but Rome was accustomed to appointing the acting high priest. Caiaphas, his son-in-law, was appointed to serve in this position from AD 26 to AD 36. Yet God used, even though he wasn't the actual a biblically appointed high priest, God used his position that he would prophesy, John eleven forty nine through 52, and one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient that for us one should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he said, not in his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And then John adds, and not only for that nation, but that he would gather together in one the children of God who was scattered abroad. 
all who believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. But God used Caiaphas's position as high priest and had him prophesy of Jesus's death. John reveals that prophecy for us here. He said, it is expedient, it's to our advantage that he would die. And truly it is. It has been for our advantage that Jesus went to the cross because of all those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, they will be set free. Romans 5.15 tells us, for if one man's sin or one man's offense, many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of God's grace through the one man, Jesus Christ, abounds to many. Matthew 26.31, Jesus said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. As it is written, strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. That's what happened on that night. And though one defended him, we find that Jesus had to bear the weight of that cross alone. And finally, one denied him. I have to tell you that I've spent a lot of time over the last 20 years looking at Peter's denial. It's not something that I pick up every week and look at, but I've spent some time thinking about the actions of Peter and combining the gospel stories of what took place when Peter denied Jesus. Jesus had told Peter that Satan had asked for him, Luke twenty two thirty one, that he may sift you like wheat. Have you guys ever seen a sifter? Can you, I just imagine Satan in a big sifter and Peter inside it, getting tossed back and forth, that he might sift you like wheat. And although Peter desired to stand with Jesus, his steps that night actually concluded in his denying Jesus three times. But we discovered that the progression of Peter's denial, I think has been repeated time and time again in believers' lives for the past 2,000 years. We combine the Gospels, we discover first that Peter followed at a distance, and then he stood at the door. Peter came into the enemy's camp. He stood by the enemy's fire. Peter sat at the enemy's fire. And then Matthew, Mark, and Luke will all tell us that Peter remained at the fire. So let's look at Peter's denial of Jesus. Peter and another disciple, verses 15 and 16. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. And then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. We first discovered that Peter was stopped. He was not allowed to enter into the courtyard. Yet the other disciple, he was known by the high priest, he had access as we know in the Gospel of John, John never names himself, but he does refer to this mysterious other disciple and another disciple. Uh, when Peter and John run to the grave, it's another disciple ran with him. It is believed that this is John and that John was known to the family of the high priest. Perhaps uh, it's where some would say, some of the theologians believe that John's family, they were fishermen. And perhaps this is uh, the place where the high priest bought his fish. That could be the simple explanation of it. But what we do know, according to John's account, is that John was known. He was able to freely enter in. And because of his 
position, he was able to get Peter and to bring him in. And although there were two of Jesus's followers in that courtyard, only one denied Jesus. I think it's a strong reminder that being physically near to Jesus does not always mean that you're spiritually in tune with him. The late evangelist Billy Sunday, he said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. Just because you hang out in a garage doesn't mean you're a car. Just because you hang out in a church, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. There were two disciples followed Jesus into that courtyard. Only one would deny him, though. The Bible reminds us in James 1, 14 and 15, but let each one, when he is tempted, he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Verse 15, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Verse 17, we meet the first a denial, Peter and a servant girl. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, perhaps as he was walking in, you are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now, uh, the other disciple was known to the high priest and perhaps known to the servant girl. I know he's a disciple, but you too? No, not me. No doubt Peter was afraid of entering the enemy's camp like this. And perhaps the servant girl's question just caught him off guard, but it resulted in his first denial. Mark 14, 66 and 67. Now Peter was below in the courtyard and one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. They had seen Peter with Jesus. And yet Peter denied this fact. It's a great reminder that when believers get away from their network of support that comes from other people of faith, they find themselves in compromising situations that they could fall into temptation of that hour, whatever that temptation might be. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up as you are already doing. First Thessalonians 5.11. That's from the Holman a Christian Standard Bible. because I, I pulled it from that translation because they used the word Build each other up. Build up. And that's what we're to do when we come together. We're to build one another up. We next find Peter warming himself at the fire, verses 18 and 25. Now the servants of the officers had made a fire of coals and stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now Peter, Simon Peter, verse 25, stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. So Peter first followed at a distance. Then he stood at the door. After he came into the camp, it was cold. There was a fire. It seemed like the thing to do. So he went to stand by the enemy's fire. Soon we'll learn that he sat at the fire and that he remained there. It's always dangerous when believers get comfortable with people or in places where believers should not be. They have no business being there. But when you get comfortable in those situations, it should be a warning sign uh, to you. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable, perfect will of God. And by warming himself by the fire, Peter began to conform himself to those who 
were around him. And it's while he was in this compromising situation that the second question came, and so too his second denial. Verses 26 and 27, our final verses today. Peter and the servant of a high priest. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied it again immediately, and the rooster crowed. Finally, Peter's actions in the Garden of Gethsemane, by pulling the sword, cutting off the ear of the servant of the high priest, it comes back to get him here. One of Malchus's uh, relatives was there. It's like, I know the guy that pulled that sword. It was Peter. And he confronted Peter. And Peter denied the Lord for the third time. And John tells us immediately a rooster crowed. Now Luke tells us something else that took place at this same time. Luke 22, 60 through 62. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. So it appears by Luke's account of this is that Peter could see he had put himself in a position that he could watch Jesus. And it appears that Jesus's back was to Peter. But here at this third denial, Jesus turned and he made eye contact with Peter. Can you imagine how that must have felt to make eye contact with Jesus for Peter to even how horrifying it must have been for Peter to look upon the face of Jesus that had already been beaten and bloodied a bit at this time. Isaiah 52, 14 reminds us that many would be astonished at Jesus because his appearance would be so marred more than any other man, his form more than the sons of men. They would beat Jesus down so hard that he would barely be recognized as human. What Scripture tells us here. Now, Jesus hadn't experienced that type of beating yet, but it had already begun at this point. Thankfully, Peter didn't remain there in the enemy's camp or at the enemy's fire, but he went out weeping bitterly, which ultimately led to his repentance and his restoration. You know, if you find yourself in a place where you ought not be, you need to back out, get out of there. Just go somewhere else. By doing so, I believe you take your first step of repentance. Second Chronicles 7.10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. The sorrow of the world is the sorrow of those who get caught for doing something wrong, but never truly repent about it. They're sorrowful because they're in trouble, but they don't do anything to repent or to make up for the mistakes that they have made. Godly sorrow produces repentance. It leads to salvation. If you find yourself in a place where you know you shouldn't be, you need to just get out of there, back out of there. You know, as I say the word, those words, I think about uh, being on computers today and you do a word search and suddenly you discover you're in a place you ought not be. You need to just back out of there. Oops, I don't want to see that. I don't want to read that. Back out, get out. And, and take measures that you don't go there again. 
We can do that in life. We need to do that as believers. On the other hand, for Christians who remain in the enemy's camp, at the enemy's fire, they'll find that their hearts will begin to be hardened. And if they stay long enough, their own conscience will be seared. As Paul reminds Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, Now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, Some will depart from the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Though one denied Jesus, Peter, and we'll discover it as we go through the remainder of this gospel, he took steps of repentance that ultimately led to his restoration. Today we've seen in our text, one betrayed and one denied, that though one betrayed him, Jesus willingly submitted himself to his Father's will. Though one defended him, it was necessary that Jesus would face the cross alone. And though one denied him, that one, Peter, he took steps that night that led ultimately to his repentance. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.